0: Today, I'm talking to my guest, Sherry Silverman Goldstein, about building yourself up, feeling vulnerable, and ultimately, coming back to yourself after a cancer diagnosis. Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys and one lucky girl cancer survivor and host of the life well-lived podcast living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after we all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose if you're a patient survivor or caretaker This is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. My guest today is Sherry Silverman Goldstein and a fellow breast cancer survivor, and I'm so excited because Sherry has an amazing story to tell. So we're going to dive right in. So welcome, Sherry.
1: Thank you, Regina. I'm excited to be here. I'm actually flattered to be here, so thank you.
0: I'm so excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: So I am a third generation Coloradan. i yeah. 56 years old. I've always lived in Colorado, in Denver. I am a proud mother of two kids that I raised and then I remarried about two years ago. So I have five children that I'm proud of and a a grandbaby who's about seven months old, a wonderful husband. I worked in the commercial real estate industry selling title insurance for about 30 years and recently retired. I have two wonderful sisters that I grew up with, and two brothers from a, a second marriage, and, and life is good. Well, tell me about your
0: experience with cancer.
1: Well, my experience with cancer started actually when I was really young, in that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer at a, at a young age, and she sadly died at the age of 34 of breast cancer. My maternal grandmother, her mom, also had breast cancer. So at a young age, I was, well, we didn't know right away she had breast cancer. Nobody talked about it back then. Um, but by the time she died and I was 12, we'd learned she died of breast cancer. And then, lo and behold, at age 50, I had just been 50 for a couple months, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, and it's one of those things when your grandmother has breast cancer and your mom has. Dies of breast cancer and dies young. You know, I wasn't really surprised when I got the diagnosis. Matter of fact, I always wondered which one of my two sisters or I would get it, kind of statistically. Mm. And and it was me. And I was okay to, to burden that. And I was always aware during my cancer journey that my experience was really way better than my mom's, and how far we've come in breast cancer awareness and research and with my mom you know she couldn't really talk to her friends about it and there was also not reconstruction or not reconstruction that was as successful as it is now and every doctor appointment she went to you know was sterile and harsh and and for me and I I feel very lucky and I'm and I'm healthy and I'm sitting here talking to you and, and she's not here but Every one of my appointments, you know, the medical staff was always so warm and loving. Waiting rooms had food in them. the 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 robes I put on were warm. You know, I had a really loving, supportive experience. But I grew up understanding breast cancer as something that wasn't love. You know, loving and warm.
0: So, when you learned that you had the breast cancer, did you uh, did you have genetic testing? So I did not
1: have genetic testing prior to my diagnosis. It was always on my mind. The reason I didn't, and it's so personal, mm-hmm. no right or wrong, you know, but for me, I didn't because I just didn't know what I would do with that information um, either way, or and especially if I right. had the pain. Lo and behold, so I get the diagnosis and then I did have the testing and i Still nothing Yeah, no. So it. So in my case, but anyways, that's why I, I did not have the, the testing. But still, there's something there. The fact that my you know, grandmother.
0: Right, yeah, because your uh, grandmother had it, and then your mom had it, and now you had it. So it was quite a journey for you. It, and do you call it a journey? I do. Okay. I do. It, it was
1: a journey. And and it was How long a How long did it take? Um, I'd say about two, two and a half years from beginning to end. And that is because, so I did have a bilateral mastectomy Mm -hmm. and, and I did go through reconstruction Mm -hmm. and there were a good many surgeries related to my reconstruction. So, you know, and and there was chemotherapy and physical therapy and all the things that go with that. So that's why my journey was about two and a half years.
0: You had some very vivid memories though, during that journey of coming back to yourself. Can you talk about one of those memories? Sure. One that stands
1: out and I think it sounds so corny. It sounds like something you'd see in a sitcom or a show, but but this really was my experience. So I was still working during my journey, my chemo, my physical therapy, all that stuff. And times I felt better or worse than others. And I remember one day getting myself in my car to drive to work had the radio on and a song came on and I thought, Oh my God, this is such a great song. And I, it made me feel great. And I'm trying to shazam it. I don't know what the song is. I just, I need to know cause it's so great. And then the next song came on and I thought, Oh my God, this is such a great song. I need to shazam it while I'm driving. Probably not great. And I, I got to know what the song is. I got to play it again. It's great. And then a third song came on and then it occurred to me. It wasn't that the radio was all of a sudden playing better music. I was just in a better place. I felt great. And it wasn't the music, it was me. But it became very obvious by that third song.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's such an important thing to recognize because when you're going through chemo, you're in such a fog that you just don't even realize how you feel. And then when you start to feel better, it's like literally the fog is just lifting a little bit, a little bit, a little bit every single day. So right and I, and I didn't know it's the small things it's the small things didn't even it know It really is it really is the small things So right before you had gotten diagnosed you had started a new relationship Yes how did how did cancer play into a brand new relationship
1: Yeah isn't that fun
0: So <laughs> <laughs> I know people who date when they're going through chemo and I'm like you brave soul <laughs> Oh, so impressive.
1: <laughs> I was in a newer relationship under a year and dating a wonderful man who is now my husband. And I don't I don't want to say it was hard because he was so great, but I could see where it could be hard. He let me make all the decisions. He was completely supportive. Going through those types of decisions and about our body and being in a relationship was difficult. He made it actually not so difficult. He made it lovely and beautiful and probably helped me see how he would be an amazing husband. And he is, Um, Mm -hmm. that was tricky timing to have a partner because how unfair to him. He did not have to stand by me for some of that stuff. And and of course he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really excellent. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that that worked out. So you had a significant first year anniversary of being cancer-free. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Absolutely. So on my one I had a one-year cancer-free little party. It's very exciting. And still in the midst of surgeries, but done with chemo. And it'd been a, you know, tough year. You know, we weren't traveling. We weren't doing things socially because I didn't feel well. And so my husband and I thought, well, you know what? Let's start exploring Colorado let's let's so i'm not that far from home and so we took our first jeep trip one week after my one year cancer anniversary after celebrating and we we were on a, a pass in colorado and something happened the ground eroded under our back left tire so we weren't doing anything crazy and we rolled off a cliff and it was Terrifying, obviously, and I remember thinking a couple of things. One of them was seriously, like, this is how I'm going to go. And <laughs> um, and for any of you out there in reconstruction or know anybody, I was in the middle of my surgeries. I think I'd had two so far, with a total of six by the time I was done. And I thought, and I don't even have my new nipples yet. Like, really, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to complete this, you know. Um, But fortunately, here I am, and my husband too, and believe it or not, we walked away without a scratch. We rolled into a ravine that stopped us from going all the way to the bottom of the mountain. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, um, yes, you know,
0: another crazy time. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I just can only imagine, and that's what was going through your head, that you were like, really? Like this? (laughs)
1: seriously I just celebrated my one year
0: (laughs) yeah you say that you're a competitive person that you've been a competitive person kind of your whole life right but you were never really athletic so tell me about this one time when you decided to do something kind of athletic
1: absolutely um so everything you said is true. I'm competitive and and I've always believed in trying to do healthy things and I'd work out and, but I'd never competed, never competed in sports or anything like that. And after all my chemo and physical therapy and surgeries and two to, like I said, two and a half years later, sometime after that, and I felt great. I felt good. Like I heard the music in the car. I felt great. I remember being on an airplane with my carry-on and trying to put it in the overhead you know, compartment and I was having a hard time getting it in the overhead compartment and I didn't feel strong I was really concerned I was going to drop it on somebody's head and it occurred to me you know I wasn't strong and and I was stronger before cancer mm-hmm. and so I needed to do something I needed to feel strong and I thought what can I do I, and and something <laughs> that would you know Competitive. And I'm not a runner. I, I really admire runners, but I'm not a runner. And so I, I couldn't do anything with running. I knew I had to do something physical, couldn't do running, because I dislike it. And I had some limitations, I still do have some limitations in my upper body. So what I came up with that I thought I could do was a bodybuilding contest. And so I did. Um, I researched it. I um, it reached out to people who had done it and tried to figure out how, how do you do this? How do you get in shape? How do you eat right? And so I did. So I competed in the iron horse uh, about two years ago. And it's actually funny for me to say this because I actually did well for my age. (laughs) And I, I took first in one area and third in two other areas and I went into it because I needed to feel strong. That was really the only reason I went into it. I didn't plan on placing or anything like that. But something really amazing happened that I'd love to share that I had no idea what happened. So here I, I spend months and months working out hard and eating right. And therefore, my husband had to eat right. <laughs> you know? And the day before our competition, so anybody who's ever competed will know this stuff, but I didn't know. So you actually have to be naked a good handful of times in front of other, well, in my case, other women <laughs> within the same sex, the, the women I'm you know, competing against because you're getting your spray tan and you have to stand together and they kind of, and you have to dry together. And so, and when there's other things where you just have to stand together,
0: you have to bear all. Wait, I just and have that, to ask you, were yeah. you were, did, did they just like line you up one next to the other and then go through with the sprayer? Well, not
1: exactly. Exactly. I mean, they do put you in like, like there's three temporary walls, but one side is open where they're spraying you okay. so that the spray doesn't get anywhere else. Okay. But then you step out in front of a fan and there's 10 of you standing in front of the fan drying so the tan doesn't drip. Naked. It, it helps how your muscles look when you're competing and, and you do it a couple, what's that? And you're naked. And you're naked because you can't have any lines, you know, and it's all... Part of the competition and how your muscles look when you've got this faked tan. And it's just what they, they do. It's all fine. I, I didn't know. And I have some significant scars from my breast cancer, and scars that I am self-conscious, or, I should say, I was self-conscious of. And there I had to bear all, first of all, in front of the woman spraying me, and then bear all in front of all of these other women who wouldn't know my story. And I had to get over it. And, you know, they had scars too, some of them, whatever their journey was, I I don't know. And it was a really emotional moment for me. And it makes me emotional to talk about it. It was in that moment that I became okay with my body and my scars from my journey. And I don't know that I've ever been as okay with my scars in my body, if not for that experience. And I had no idea. I mean, that wasn't why I did it. I just wanted to be physically strong. And then that was the best gift of all. I'm so glad I did it. And I'm so appreciative of my healthy body now.
0: Yeah. It sounds like that was a silver lining. And isn't it amazing? Like when we have those moments of silver linings that it, it feels like it was like a gift from God, just, just for you.
1: Yeah. Yes. I mean, I got emotional with the woman who was spraying my tan, who I don't know, and I had to explain why I was emotional, and then she got emotional, and it was a beautiful moment, and then I had other beautiful moments with the other women as I stood there.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that one other thing that helped you kind of feel okay with being vulnerable about your scars was that you noticed that the other women had scars, too. Mm Yeah, yeah.
1: You know we we go through this very traumatic, difficult time, a diagnosis of cancer, and then in this case, breast cancer. And you know other people have journeys too. and and some are reflected on their bodies that none of us would see if <laughs> until our clothes come off. And it was it was cool. It was beautiful, very special. And people ask me if I'll compete again. And I find myself saying no, because I can't replicate that amazing high that I still carry with me, that beautiful, special moment. I, if I compete again, it would be to com- just compete, even though I didn't know that getting, you know, going into it.
0: Right. It sounds like you did the competition, like it was for you for a specific reason, so that at the end of the process, you could really, a, appreciate how far you come and the strength that you had regained, and being okay with your own scars and how you look now. So that's, and that's a big piece of it. I always say, if you've lived long enough, you've you've gone through something, or you're going through something, you know, so you've got some kind of baggage with you. And I think it's true, you know, it's just with some of us, it's physical, and you can see it. And with others, it's, it's mental and you can't, or emotional, and it's not something that you can see, but it's still there. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly right. What's next on your journey, do you think? That is a great
1: question. Before COVID, I was embarking along with a good friend on creating something, an organization, a network to help mentor even though it's probably more than mentoring but other women going through breast cancer more peer-to-peer and then COVID hit and so that isn't the right thing right now but I still have had women reach out to me from other women or from my one of my surgeons to help women through the process it's you know until you go through it and you've been through it and you know there's some surprises on what's difficult or what isn't difficult. And it's just nice to have a friend through the process. And I hope to do more of that. I don't know what it looks like, but I hope to do more of that.
0: Mm-hmm. What were some of the surprises that you felt like you found along the journey?
1: Um, One surprise would be, because I grew up knowing about cancer again, not when my mom, my mom had it for many years and it moved to her liver before she passed away. So it was a really long journey for her. And, um, but later on before she died, it really, she had cancer. And so, so I've known about it since I was, we'll say 11. I thought everybody knew about breast cancer. And so when I was going through it, I was surprised. People didn't understand, understand things about chemo. Let's say, I thought everybody knew chemo made you sick. Chemo made your hair. Fall out. And I mean, people do know some things, but it, it, it just surprised me. It, it, there's a big awareness, and yet there's a lot people don't know. But again, until you've walked in someone's shoes, sometimes you just don't know. So that would be one of my surprises. I was probably surprised with myself in that I was okay with it. I, I was, I really always thought, like I said, one, one of my two other sisters or I would get it and get breast cancer. And I didn't
0: think that all of you would get it. I mean, isn't
1: know, that you? know. and it still so could. And I hope, and I hope they don't. Right. I don't know why. I just always thought like one of us would, I, I don't know. I was never good with math. So maybe it was my statistical <laughs> formula, but I was glad it was me, not because they couldn't handle it. They're amazing, strong, successful, brilliant women but it was so scary and how it turned out with our mom and I was ready for the fight. And so that surprised me that like, okay, it's me. I got it. Now everybody's good. And I know that's not really true, but hopefully statistically. Yeah.
0: Hopefully. Okay. Well, I've got one last question for you. Yes. What does it mean to live a life (sighs) well-lived?
1: To live a life well lived, to me means embracing all the good, always looking for the silver lining, giving back as much as I can, as much love. And I think relationships, just being present. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good, tough question.
0: Um, Thank you, that was beautiful. I hope you've laughed. I hope you've learned. I hope you found something of meaning here today. I send you healing strength and I'm grateful for you. You've been listening to the Life Well Lived podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends so they can benefit too. Check out the show notes and connect with me on social media. And please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Peace and love. Until next time.